the go of relationship. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Matthew chapter 5 verse 41 The summing up of our Lord's teaching is that the relationship which he demands is an impossible one unless he has done the supernatural work in us. Jesus Christ demands that there be not the slightest trace of resentment, even suppressed in the heart of a disciple when he meets the tyranny and injustice. No enthusiasm will ever stand the strain that Jesus Christ will put upon his worker. Only one thing will, and that is a personal relationship to himself, which has gone through the mill of his spring cleaning until there is only one purpose left. I am here for God to send me where he will. Every other thing may get fogged, but this relationship to Jesus Christ must never be. The Sermon on the Mound is not an ideal. It is a statement of what will happen in me when Jesus Christ has altered my disposition and put in a disposition like his own. Jesus Christ is the only one who can fulfill the Sermon on the Mount. If we are to be his disciples, we must be made disciples supernaturally. As long as we have the dead set purpose of being disciples, we may be sure we are not. I have chosen you. That is the way the grace of God begins. It is a constraint we cannot get away from. We can disobey it, but we cannot generate it. The drawing is done by the supernatural grace of God, and we never can trace where his work begins. Our Lord's making of a disciple is supernatural. It does not build on any natural capacity at all. God does not ask us to do the things that are easy to us naturally. He only asks us to do the things we are perfectly fitted to do by His grace. And the cross will come along that line always. No enthusiasm will ever stand the strain that Jesus Christ will put on his worker. Only one thing will, and that is a personal relationship to himself, which has gone through the mill of his spring cleaning until there is one purpose left. I am here for God to send me where he will. Jesus Christ is the only one who can fulfill the Sermon on the Mount. I heard this yesterday. Sinners do not go to hell for something they have done. They go to hell for something they have not done. And that is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only way to eternal life. The only way. Meaning there is no other way. I don't think enough people believe in that fact. Many people 
make the statement that all we need is faith. And then turn around, turning from him and serving other gods. Many people also make the statement that to be saved, you must do X, Y, and Z to be saved. And if you haven't done them, I judge you unsaved. They throw a condemnation towards anyone who opposes their way of thinking, their way of perceiving the gospel, their way of perceiving God's word. When Isaiah has the the vision of the Lord in Isaiah 6, notice how the seraphim had the face, his face covered. This was most likely an act of humility, as they were in the presence of the Lord of hosts, out of respect. Where is the respect and humility for God? I admit that I lack the ability to describe my lack of respect to God. I cannot imagine, and if I could imagine, I could not explain. We are all worthless sinners. We are all sinners who deserve eternal punishment for our sin. We are all sinners who are incapable of escaping our sin by our own hands. We all are sinners who cannot use math, science, psychology, or any other way of our own to save ourselves from death. It is impossible for you and I to please God. This is why Jesus is so important and why faith in him is absolutely the only way that can save you and I. Jesus can stand before God. God is well pleased in Jesus Christ. As sinners, the only way you and I can be in heaven is by abiding in Jesus that personal relationship with him, which must never get fogged. Our flesh is ever failing, and that is why this relationship is a spiritual one. We are sinners, which is why our salvation is only by the grace of God. Today I want to encourage you to build someone up, to fill up their cup by pouring the living water that flows through you, into their life. Don't store it up for yourself. Today's verse that Oswald pulls from is, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. In Deuteronomy it says, If if among you one of your brothers should become poor, if any of your towns within your lands that the Lord your God is giving you, You shall not harden your heart or shut your hands against the poor, against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the seventh year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on the poor brother. And you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. Psalm 37, 26 says, He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Psalm 125, or 112, 5 says, 
It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. So again, be generous today. Help your brother, help your sister. This isn't about striving for some sort of an ideal, as Oswald says. It's about the change of our disposition. And it's not about changing into our perfect self or, or even changing into what our brother or sister is changing into. It's about our disposition being uniquely altered by him, by Jesus Christ alone, through that personal relationship. And by him being in us, our disposition becomes as he wants it to be. So today, allow that process to happen a little bit more or a lot more, whatever you're capable of today. God bless you.